Welcome to another episode of the Hooper's Almanac. My name is Aaron Carter, and my co-host Mitchell Sell and I have a lot for you all in store today on this podcast. With the first week of the NBA season coming to a close officially, Mitch and I will be sharing some of our early overreactions to how the season has started, and I will be talking Mitchell off the ledge about the Celtics for the first of many times this season. After that, we're going to have on our Golden State expert, Cole Steckline. He's been a follower of the Warriors since before the We Believe team back in the mid-2000s, and he's also just a huge fan of the NBA entirely. So we're really excited to bring him on to talk about the current state of the Warriors, and he'll give us his slightly biased prediction for this year's team. We finish off with another episode of Serial and Brews, and we catch up about each other's lives as we always enjoy doing. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to hearing your thoughts. And before we get going, here are our friends from Green Top. Welcome to another edition of the Hooper's Almanac. Mitch and I are excited to share some of our overreactions of from this first week of the NBA. It's been an exciting start to the season. My hometown Chicago Bulls are on top of the East somehow at 3-0. The city is electric. I've been enjoying watching them. Um, so I'm sure there are quite a lot of overreactions from Chicagoans here, Mitch. Um, so I'm excited to dive into some other ones that we have this week. But in general, um, you know, how have you been enjoying the first week of the NBA season? I know your Celtics haven't started as greatly um, and played as well as you would have hoped for, but in general, it's exciting that basketball's back. You know, Aaron, I've been really hyping up this past week of just preparing myself for this week, uh, just having basketball back. You know, I've been really excited to watch the Sacramento Kings because, you know, that being like our team in the West, we've kind of been riding on um, outside of your Nuggets, um, who are also undefeated right now. Uh, two big wins for them. Um but yeah, Celtics have um, brought me down a little bit. And, uh, you know, a double overtime loss to the Knicks really was a kick to the crotch. And then a 30-point loss to the Raptors, a really bad Raptors team, was just a nice little punch to the face after that. So it was just – it was a rough first two games for us. Um, but, you know, it it is what it is, and I will make it, I guess, for the time being. <laughs> well – and we're going to start right there, Mitch, with your uh, with your Celtics, just to tear your heart out, to add your right. physical and emotional injuries of week one, battered and bruised, Mitchell Sell. Um, we're going to share five overreactions here. Mitch and I are going to split them up, um, give our takes and sort of, you know, go back and forth on whether or not we agree with the with each other's overreaction. And my first overreaction of the night is going to start with Mitchell Sell Celtics. I think the Celtics will be in the play in game this year. And I think a lot of teams thought they were a shoe in. So the fact that we're already denoting them, you know, demoting them to the playing game, meaning they're going to be either the seven, eight, nine, ten 10 seed is a pretty big statement. Um, just considering we've only played two games. Um, so as Mitch said, they're 0 two on the season, right? They lost that heartbreaking double overtime game to the Knicks 138 to 134. If you've listened to previous episodes of the Hooper's Almanac, you'll remember uh, on our betting podcast, part one with Rob Volk, Mitchell Sell was um, a big bear on the Knicks over-under win total, liked under, uh, and he liked the Celtics over. And what happens in game one? Uh, the Knicks flipped the script and beat the Celtics. So heartbreaking on multiple fronts there for him. Jalen Brown did his best with 46 points, but was not enough. Um, it seemed like, you know, the ghosts of Celtics past and Evan Fournier came back to bite the Celtics. And Mitch, I'm sure you were loving to hear that. 
um and then (laughs) and then as you alluded to um the celtics got their doors blown off by the raptors losing uh what was it 32 points i believe was the spread there yeah scotty barnes was the entire difference in the game that's that's how i tell you how bad that was And then Jalen Brown, you know, following up his dominant performance of 46 in game one, post just nine against that Raptors team. And we've talked about, you know, how we're both a little bit down on the Raptors this year. But the one thing they do have is a lot of length and a lot of athleticism that lends itself to the defensive end of the floor. And the Celtics clearly had offensive issues. But just getting into the Celtics more broadly outside of those two poor performances, there are definitely a few statistical trends that worry me here. And is why I lean toward the Celtics will be in the playing game statement. First, the offensive rebounding of the opponents has just been absolutely horrendous. Um, You know, I think they have the third worst offensive rebounding allowed in the NBA. Only the Utah Jazz and the Minnesota Timberwolves have worse. So in game one, Mitchell Robinson was just eating Celtics big man alive. Five, five offensive rebounds. And in game two, the Raptors had 21. And the Raptors don't even have a true center right now. Mitch has alluded to Kim Birch as their only center previously. And um, other than that, Scotty Barnes was getting boards. Preston Sachua was getting boards. Everybody. Um, you know, Boston also has not shot the ball well, which should change, you'd think, with uh, just the stars they have on the offensive end of the floor. But I think the biggest thing that probably has been frustrating you, Mitch, is the turnovers. Um, you know, last in the league in turnovers per game, 21 and a half. This might be a lot to do with coaching. Also, maybe just players trying to do too much on the offensive end of the floor. Iso ball, not really gelling quite yet. It seems like Schroeder's definitely added to those turnovers as well. So, um, you know, making Celtics fans a little bit angry for his first couple um, first couple games in Boston Celtic green and white. So um, down on the Celtics right now, I my overreaction is that they're going to be in the playing game, maybe even miss the playoffs at this point, the way they're looking. Mitch? How do the Celtics right the ship here? How do they turn things around? I don't know. <laughs> we need a big man. For the love of all that is good and holy, we can't have... The thing is, I was very skeptical of the starting of two big men and Al Horford and Rob Williams, and that truly has painted a picture for how that's going. Um, they didn't do it in game one, uh, and they had Grant Williams start instead. The other thing is, I will I will allude to this now with the reason why we're not winning offensive... I mean, we're not... Get, uh, getting any defensive rebounding is because at one no about a 10 minutes during the game against the Raptors we had a lineup of everyone below six seven in Aaron Carter our center was Grant Williams surrounded by Peyton Pritchard Schroeder jo- Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford hideous hideous height lineup right there for you not and, gonna get the job done no and you have two guys Richardson and Schroeder who I won't say have the greatest of ball security ability, um, but it's, it's just so awful. And Romeo Langford is a great, I I've been a believer in Romeo Langford since he's been on the Celtics and, you know, injuries have been his issue. Just like every first round draft pick that's not named last named Brown or Tatum. Um, But still, it's just like, it's tough to watch. Like you said, the worst, the most annoying thing of it all is turnovers. Dennis Schroeder turns the ball over more than I want him to it's he brings me more pain than when Marcus Smart shoots and shoots a three like that's the same pain I feel whenever that those two things are so like equal in my mind and so it's just like oh this is basically whenever Marcus Smart shoots a three I'm like oh this is a turnover he's the definition of an oh no no okay you went in kind of guy so right. it's 
we need a big man. And that's just basically where I've landed on this thing. And if we can get an actual big man, cause I love Rob Williams, but he's not the, he is not the solution that I want him to be because he gets too like, he gets so far out of the paint whenever like got his guy has the ball and which is what every team does. They drag him out of the paint and that count brings down our rebound numbers. So it's just, it's brutal. Yeah. And you also won't have a solution once he gets hurt, which is, a, seems to be, you know, a likely outcome it's considering inevitable. how his career in the NBA has started. So definitely have issues to solve. And if you can't get rebounds when you're starting essentially two centers, um, you have, you have major issues. So um, I, I think on the offensive of the floor, you know, Brown, obviously played fantastic coming off of COVID pretty much, uh, you know, relatively mm-hmm. recently right. before the kickoff the NBA season didn't show any rust there, but I think, you know, Brown and Tatum just got to get a little bit, you know, gel back together. It seems like they're sort of playing in isolation right now. Right. So I, you know, I, I think they brought in Schroeder to be that connecting piece because he did a good job in LA of sort of, you know, taking over when LeBron needed him and also setting up AD when he was healthy. So I think as they grow, you know, more comfortable together, hopefully that comes, but right now it's just, you know, definitely figuring things out on the fly. Yeah. It, and I do agree. I'm not going to say that you're wrong with this overreaction because I've definitely now, but I really, if people want to learn about my Boston sucks fandom, it really has its peaks and valleys, ladies and gentlemen, it like, this is one of those valleys right now. Oh, we're recording this on Sunday. So we are, uh, Sunday, October 24th. So they are playing the Rockets right now. And so like we, I want them to just win a game. And so if we can win tonight, that'd be great. Because if we don't win today, we play Charlotte on Monday and that's just going to be a bigger kick to me. So I, I like us to win against the bad Rockets team. And then we move on from there. So Brown is out tonight, uh, is out Sunday. So it's just, that part sucks, but maybe that just gets us like, gives the other guys an opportunity to kind of like fill in the space for when Brown's not in. And it, while it sucks, it's just how it's going to be for right now. Right. So I'm not overreacting. I'm not, I, sorry, I'm not going to disagree with your overreaction. Okay. That's all so, I needed. Yeah. But I'm going to move on to a team that the Celtics played and it was in that game. And here's my overreaction. My, my overreaction is that the New York Knicks are the deepest team in the NBA. Um, Aaron alluded to it. They brought in some great guys in the offseason. Uh, Kemba and Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, both former Celtics, both bring me entire amounts of pain whenever we are going to go up against them because Evan Fournier is the description of every guy Marcus Smart uh, struggles to guard against. Um, Kemba Walker, uh, you know, if he can get back to what he was like in Charlotte. And I, me, I had a great discussion this weekend uh, with a friend of the show, um, his uh, a friend of his, actually, uh, he was telling me that, you know, Kemba just now has an opportunity to, to be the second scorer, which was what he wasn't in Boston. It was Jalen and Jason all in Boston. And now in, in New York, he has the ability to just be the second guy behind Julius Randle. And now I've thought about it and he's right. I think this is a great opportunity for Kemba to just kind of do his thing. He can run pick and rolls with Julius and he doesn't have to worry about another guy, like trying to take the ball from him. Um, when it comes to depth though, I mean, looking at this bench, it is so good. Like you got Derrick Rose and, and Emmanuel quickly who both proved their worth last year for this next team quickly was such a great, uh, just such a speedster for him. Is it just a nice little spark plug uh, whenever they need some scoring Rose is just such a savvy veteran. Um, he had an off game against the Celtics, uh, but even still, I mean, when you need him to produce, he will. 
Alec Burks is a guy I've wanted ever any one of my teams to get in the past is because he's just such a, such a fluid score whenever you need him to. He, he literally will put up 10 points whenever you need him to. So it's just such an easy thing for him. Obi Toppin is coming to his own. And if Mitchell Robinson can stay healthy, it, it, this team is ridiculous. Taj Gibson and Nerlens Noel as his backups are just such uh, such solid guys to have as well uh, with Noel being out right now. But I like Mitch Robinson uh, starting right now for him. I mean, I know Aaron's been very high on him since he's been drafted. Uh, I mean, he was like fourth in blocks with his rookie year and he only played like 14 minutes a game. It was crazy. Um, but I, I, I like this Knicks team after, you know, reassessing it. I was wrong. I will say it. I'm wrong about the Knicks and they're under it. I will, I will backtrack myself. I'm wrong. I I'm not a man who is afraid to say he is wrong. And this is one of those moments. So my overreaction is that they are the deepest team in the NBA. Well, it's an honorable quality and I will definitely take you proclaiming that I was correct. So thank yes. you. Um, <laughs> my bet has almost already cashed <laughs> like 40 ones away. Anything can happen, but um, feeling really good at two at L, you know, better than Owen two. If I would, if I would have bet on the Celtics. So, Thanks. um, I, I agree with you. I think, I think they are an extremely deep team. I personally would have the Hawks. I know we discussed this. I think the Hawks would might be my deepest team in the league just because of their scoring potential off the bench, mm-hmm. um, with guys like Cam Reddish, who appear to be, you know, taking the next step out of nowhere guys who couldn't get men like he couldn't get minutes at all during the regular season last year stepped up in one game during the playoffs and then all of a sudden is like an extremely confident scorer looks extremely fluid driving to the rack good shooter um obviously they have many other pieces as well on their bench but i think this Knicks team is definitely something to be reckoned with in the east um and i think you know in general the way coach Thibodeau coaches during the regular season he's going to use everybody um and really try to win, you know, he's really committed to winning games in the regular season, uh, as opposed to other coaches who really try to play the long game. So uh, it's good that these young guys are getting run. Hopefully they can stay healthy. That's been our biggest concern for them. Uh, we talk about, you know, Kimba, obviously with his injury history, Mitchell Robinson also has an injury history. So um, they do have the depth to back that up if they were to get um, some injuries. But I think if they can stay healthy, this is definitely a team to be reckoned with. I completely agree. And, you know, these, I mean, you talked about the Hawks too. I think that is a, also a very deep team. That was one team that, you know, we were debating, I was debating on having an overreaction about, but then they lost to the Cavs last night. So then I was like, eh, maybe not. So I, I agree with you. I think, I think the Hawks are also just such a deep team as well. I just think this Knicks team with having as many veterans as it has um, it's, and even as it has a nice combination of everyone, I think it has, it's going to be solid for them. And I think they're just really deep. Plus, like you said, Tom Thibodeau will play everyone. Uh, and the reason why he hasn't played everyone in the past is because he hasn't had this much talent on his teams in the past. I mean, those old, the old Bulls teams do not have this much talent uh, that he's worked, that he has working with now, nor did the Timberwolves teams. But then again, those Timberwolves teams were trash. <laughs> so, but speaking of the Timberwolves, I'm going to move on to my second overreaction to the, my friends who are Minnesota Timberwolves fans, Isaac Janes, Andrew Carlson, all you Minnesota Timberwolves fans. This is a good, this is a nice word for you. My overreaction is that the Minnesota Timberwolves are a playoff team. This is another time I'm going to say I was wrong. I'm going to admit my, my wrongdoings and my wrong words. And I apologize for calling this team ugly. I will say it. I was wrong. 
Um, this team is so fun to watch. Andrew, Anthony Edwards is just such a fun talent to watch. It is Nas Reed playing all of last night just proved me wrong. And so I'm sorry, Nas. I apologize. Uh, Vanderbilt and McDaniels. You know, you're not bad at four. You're not the you're not the worst pair of fours in the world, but you're not great. But you know what? I was wrong. Okogi, you're just a nice spark plug and you're doing whatever, but it's whatever. But and Delo is just gonna have his Delo is gonna have his Russell moments where it looks like he's great, and then it's gonna be it's gonna have its valleys as well. But right now, they're looking really good. And Patrick Beverly has somehow sparked some sort of defense in them, and it's just odd. And I think you know what we talked about during our Western Conference breakdown, Aaron, about the Timberwolves. I think Patrick Beverly might have just pushed them around a lot in this offseason to kind of make him like have a backbone about defense. So I I like this Timberwolves team a lot. I think they sneak when I say playoff team, I mean that includes the play-in. And so I think they sneak in at like a nine, ten, maybe even eight if they're if they're feeling themselves a little bit. So I I like the Timberwolves team to make the playoffs in some sort of fashion or way. All right. Well, um, I think you know. Originally, I was down on this team as well. Um, unlike you, I'm not willing to claim defeat on my initial take. Um, I still don't think this team's a playoff team. Okay. However, I think they'll definitely be in the group fighting for the play-in game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in that, you know, in that essence, maybe they are a fringe playoff team. When you look at the team probably around them that they're going to be fighting for a spot with Memphis, Sacramento, the Clippers. I think they could battle with any of those teams, just given their size down low and skill and cat, it's going to come down to those guards. Um, and, you know, also just health. I, I still have questions about D'Lo's health um, and seeing Anthony Edwards pop off. Like this is really incredible, but I'd like to see it, you know, for a full season as well. Um, and I think just looking at the two teams they've played, they've played Houston and new Orleans, two of the worst defensive teams in the league, um, two of the youngest teams in the league in new Orleans doesn't have Zion right now. Um, so I, you know, I think their next couple games coming up, they play new Orleans again, then they play Milwaukee and then they play Denver this week. So those two games against Milwaukee and Denver will be really telling, um, definitely litmus test for this team. And I think this team's a really exciting, you know, exciting group of group of players. Um, and I think they have an opportunity within this division. If Denver takes a little slide back, which it doesn't appear like they will be so far, Portland appears to be sort of in flux. Um, so there's definitely opportunities in, in the West for them and their division. So I, I like the pick. And I think as, as the season goes on, we're going to know more, but at this point, it's a little too early for me. I need to see them tested against a good team. This is why it's the first week over reaction, my man. It is, it is such a solely based on the fact that I liked how they were playing. And I know the, the back-to-back Milwaukee games will be very telling, like you said. Um, but I mean, one of them will be home, which will be nice for them. So that'll be huge. And, you know, I think, if they can just make it look close with those teams, I feel like it, it should still be telling of, man, maybe they are still a solid team. But, you know, first week, we're still playing it by ear. We're still trying to figure it all out. We're still trying to read our reactions for it all. Yep. I love it. Um, moving on to my next one here, um, going back to one of our teams here that we love to talk about on this podcast, my team, the Denver Nuggets. My overreaction is that Nikola Jokic will have just as good of a season as he did last year and will not be considered for the MVP. Um, As you probably know, he won the MVP last year. It was somewhat controversial. It appeared that the media and 
everyone else who votes for the MVP did not want to give it to him. Everybody was saying Steph Curry was snubbed before he won it. It was all Embiid, LeBron talk before they got hurt. Um, And he had a fantastic year. I think if maybe Embiid was healthy, he probably would have won it. Um, It seemed like that's the direction it was going. But based on what this team is, you know, has played like the first two games of the year, Jokic is going to have a just as big of a workload as he did last year. And it doesn't appear that Michael Porter Jr. is stepping up at the moment to help him, which means that, you know, he's having even more weight on the, on those shoulders that are becoming skinnier and skinnier as he's losing weight. So, um, you know, I think just in terms of looking at his numbers, right, he's seventh in points per game, uh, 29 and a half, second in rebounds per game. His assists have gone down, which means he's looking to score more, which personally I like um, if Michael's not scoring. But, you know, other guys have really stepped up like Will Barton, a healthy Will Barton does a lot for him in terms of just creating um, an isolation and being able to take guys one-on-one. There aren't a lot of guys on the team that can do that besides Jokic Murray and not even Michael Porter to a certain extent. He's been more of a catch and shoot guy at this point. Um, so I think, you know, all signs are pointing toward Jokic having just as good of a season. Will there be fatigue as the season goes on? That's very possible. But at this point, there's no reason for me to believe that given how the other players have played and given how Jokic has played, he's going to have any worse of a year. And I don't think there's a shot he's even in the conversation based on just how the media covered it last year. And as well as how other people are playing, like Curry seems like he's going to be a front runner this year. LeBron looks great. Hell, Paul George is leading the league in scoring right now. And without Kawhi, he should probably be, you know, a candidate for that if he can actually tune it up on the defensive end of the floor as well. So I think there's going to be lots of guys in the conversation. And I think Jokic might have only won his only MVP of his career, which is really sad. But that's my overreaction. Aaron, I don't hate your reaction. I I think it's a I think it's not awful. I just don't know the the thing about the MVP and the it's a it's a very common theme. You have to be on a, like a top four team in the NBA, like in your in your conference, to be winning the MVP. The outlier to that is Russell Westbrook in 2016, but that was because he had his triple double year. Um, Nicole Jokic is a top five player in the NBA, the top ten player for some people, but to me, he's a top five player. He's an incredible talent, one of the best. Pa- I mean, one of the best scorers in the NBA right now. He's the best passing center, best passing big man. Um, I think, and he's incredible. He's incredible it truly will depend on how good his team does this year. Um, you know, two and a right start, but you're right. You have to have guys like Michael Porter step up and it doesn't look like he's, he's doing that right now. Will Barton coming back from his many different injuries over the past few years has kind of, has looked great. He's been a very great uh, playmaker for this team. Um, he averages five and a half assists for them, which is huge. He is also, if I remember correctly, he's the only other uh, double-digit score for them. I mean, not sorry, not double-digit score. The only other, uh, sorry, he's at 16 points again. Well, the other guys, so it's Jokic almost at 30, and then there's a few guys stuck at 11 and 10. But Barton's the only other guy over 15 points a game who's doing anything for him. And so, if he can, st- if the thing about Jokic is if he can stay efficient like he is right now, he can keep it over 50. percent I know it's it's ridiculous how well he's shooting right now. I think he's over 60 percent from mm-hmm. the field. If yep. he can keep that up keep his three-point percentage up, I feel like that's great. If he can keep his passing and rebound, I mean, scoring and rebounding up, I agree. The thing that totally deters every sort of big man, especially a big man like Jokic, 
from winning an MVP is if he can do it on both sides of the ball. The big man is has to be good on both sides of the ball. That's why Embiid was such a big uh, guy last year before he got hurt. And I think that's why Jokic kind of wasn't talked about as much last year was because because uh, he wasn't as solid on defense. Then again, I but I think that's solely towards the big man aspect of it. That's why guys like Steph Curry uh, is is going to be mentioned every time is because he's ridiculous and he also he plays in a much bigger market uh, than. Uh, media market than what uh, right. Jokic plays in, but you're right. I think me, I I don't hate the reaction overreaction to it. I think it will truly depend on how well the Nuggets do until Jamal Murray comes back, and if his buddies around, and if the, his teammates around him can, you know, supplement the uh, times where he doesn't have good games because. NBA stars still have nights where they don't do well. And so it's just on those nights, how well are his right. supporting cast going to help him out? Yeah. I think this is just me trying to be pessimistic um, or, <laughs> oh, really? or, or realistic about this team because at two and L I'm like, you know, this team was great last year and they so- showed so much fight once Jamal went out, but I know at some point in the year, the gas is just going to start burning low and Jokic is going to get tired and these, these cast of characters on the bench, I love the grit. It seems like they like playing with each other. It seems like Michael Malone has a good energy uh, in terms of the locker room and everything. I love Uncle Jeff Green, you know. But the fact that he's probably our best scorer off the bench is pretty crazy. Um, like, Jermichael Green, all these different types of guys. Faku Campazzo. Like, I don't think I can trust these guys to actually produce for 82 games. They're good spark plugs. They do their role and they know their role, but when Jokic is off the floor, they have real bad issues. So I'm concerned about this team. And I think based on if he's able to make this a top four team in the West, I think that's more impressive than Embiid doing what he did last year or Steph Curry doing what he does this year. Um, just because the rest of the team around him is it's so bad. And when he comes off the floor, it's complete mayhem. Whereas right. the Warriors seem to have, and we'll get to this later with Cole, but they seem to have a good, you know, system in terms of the guys gelling together. Jordan Poole stepped up a lot. Um, so I don't know. I think the drop-off once Jokic comes off is so much greater than any other player. I don't disagree with you. And like you said, if he if they make the force, if they are a top four seed in the, in the West, then yeah, he should be uh, considered for the MVP. Yeah. And he should be talked about by everyone in the media. It also is the fatigue of back-to-back winners. That's the other right. thing. The right. only guy, I mean, the only guy who's ever done that is Giannis over the past, like since LeBron, I believe. Um, oh no, sorry, Steph Curry won it two years back-to-back years. But Giannis and Steph Curry, it's because they had astronomically incredible years both times they did it. So if Jokic can put up the same numbers as he did last year, as well as provide a team that is a, a top four seed in the West, I don't see how he can be considered. So I think, like we said. Depends on how his team does and if he can keep up, be, cons- be as consistent as he is right now. Um, keeping on like the award spectrum of it all, though, you know, we talked about the MVP with Jokic. I, I have a rookie of the year overreaction already. And it's um, it's a team that I was very skeptical about. And so I let's keep to the theme of me being wrong about people. Um, Evan Mobley will be the rookie of the year. Ladies and gentlemen, Evan, I watched both. I mean, I watched two Cavs games this year. Both games, Evan Mobley looked ridiculous. And uh, Evan Mobley is our, here are his Evan Mobley splits. He averages 15 a game. He averaged 15 points a game, over eight rebounds, three assists, a, a steal, and two blocks. Great stats. Both both sides of the ball, he's doing everything. There have been videos that have gone out on NBA uh accounts I follow on Instagram and Twitter that have talked about how his ability to play both sides. I mean, both sides of the ball very well, as well as 
guard anyone. He has been able to stay in front of guards on defense. He's also been able to, as clearly as he's leading this team in blocks and also is leading the team in rebounds, uh, but he's able to stay in front of him and he just is able to move as quick as anyone on this team. The only guy I truly believe that moves quicker than him on this team is Colin Sexton. And that's because this man is a bulldog. Um, but this team, I think Evan Mobley's only issue is the fact that his team is not going to be a winner. But then again, we've also seen rookie of the years uh, come from non-winning teams. Uh, but I think Evan Mobley, after what I've seen, I know it's a one and two start for them uh, so far, uh, but he has shown how good he is. Um and how consistent he can be for them, I feel like, on both sides of the ball. So my overreaction, Evan Mobley is the rookie of the year. I like it. Um, you know, I think in terms of pure talent, what's he, what he's doing on both ends of the floor, I think he definitely has a great shot to be that. I think a lot of the rookie of the year as well comes down to these high, highlight reel plays as well. And I think one guy that stands out to me is Jalen Green. Um, and I know you just talked about the correlation between a good team and winning an award like MVP is really important, but for rookie of the year, I don't think it's as important. Uh, and I don't think the Rockets are going to be very good. I think the Cavs might have a better record. So if that really matters, then maybe Evan Mobley gets the edge, but I think Jalen Green's a good candidate, but I think based on what, you know, what you said and how Evan Mobley's looked in the first three games here, um, I think he definitely has a shot and, and you know, the, how he's able to stand out with all these other big men on the Cavs is also really impressive along Jared Allen, who's a great NBA player who received a huge contract in the off season. Like if he's able to stand out next to him, that's a huge, you know, huge win for him in terms of what, what his future holds and making a bag in, in, in the next couple of years. So excited for Evan Mobley. And I like the pick. Yeah. I think this is, I think, because there was a lot of hype around Jalen Green and Cade Cunningham and how good they're going to be and how like they have a ability to be superstars. Evan Mobley it might not be a superstar, but he's going to be a solid star in the NBA. I mean, he's showing that on a really bad Cavs team. And I know people in the later, I know people who did not get as lucky in their lottery picks, like the Thunder needed a big man. They did not, they didn't get lucky. And then they, and they should, they would be perfect to have Evan Mobley that the combo of him and SGA would be great. Uh, guys like the Kings, they could use a big man to go along with, with Rashawn Holmes if Marvin Bagley isn't playing. So I feel like that would have been a great team for him to go to, or even like the Magic. So they, these teams like would have been perfect, situ even good situations. But like you said, showing out like he has with the bigs that this team already has is, is really spectacular to me. And so I, I like Evan Mobley as the rookie of the year. Yeah. I mean, just going to the game log here, uh, not to belabor this point, but the first game of his career in the NBA against a good Grizzlies team and, you know, a big guy in term in Steven Adams, who's a, who's a, you know, a veteran big been there for a while. He had 17 points on 56% shooting, hit a three, nine boards and six assists. Six assists is crazy for a, essentially a center uh, right. who's playing his first NBA game. So he's filling up the stat sheet. That is one of the best, you know, first games you can have as a power forward center in the league against a good center and a good gritty team in the Grizzlies. Um, so if that's a sign of things to come, Mitch, I love the overreaction. Love the pick. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you like it. So we're a little split on all a few of our overreactions, but it's going to be all right. Uh, but what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick little break. We're going to come right back with my good friend and also Aaron's friend, Cole Stackline, and we're going to talk about our the Golden State Warriors. 
Welcome back from our break. We are excited to bring on our Warriors expert, Cole Steckline. Uh, Cole is a dear friend of mine, has been since the start of college. Uh, I met him down at a summer project called Kaleo through a campus ministry of ours. Um, and ever since then, Cole, have I been, Cole and I have been pretty close. Uh, Cole has been a fan since the, uh, a Warriors fan since the We Believe teams uh, back in the mid 2000s. And, you know, ever since then, Cole has been a bandwagon fan as he, as he likes to proclaim himself, but not the bandwagon as we like to think of it. Uh, he'll go into that a little bit more. Uh, but Cole, thank you for coming on and welcome to the Hoopers Almanac. Yeah, man, I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, absolutely. So, Cole, kind of give us a little bit of background into this uh, fandom of the We Believe team. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, you know, like you were saying, every time I wear, like, a Warriors t-shirt, you know, I'm from the middle of Missouri, like, everyone immediately asks, like, oh, are you a bandwagon fan? Like, if you hop on with Steph? And I always answer yes at first, because it is true, I am, but I was a bandwagon fan, like you said, on the We Believe team. It all really just stemmed from, I'm from Bentonville, Arkansas, and everyone there is a Mavs fan. Like pre-Oklahoma City Thunder, everyone was a Mavs fan. And so in that We Believe run, eight seed versus one seed Mavs, my best friend at the time was a Mavs fan. And I was just the type of kid that wanted to, you know, just hack my friend off, do what I could to to really piss him off. And so I uh, was just like, man, this, I didn't even, like Golden State, I didn't know where, like, you know, that California, Oakland, San Francisco, San Diego, (laughs) where are they? I have no idea. But I started watching, and as I'm sure you guys remember, like that series was first off just bonkers. The crowd was electric. It's one of the best playoff crowds I've ever seen. Like Baron Davis, Stephen Jackson, young Monte Ellis, like just these like absolute ballers. It was just, I was like, man, this team is sick. And so I really became a diehard Baron Davis fan. And so after that, I was like, I'm, I'm stuck with this team after they won and they should, they should have taken the jazz out in the next round. Like it was just, I was sold for life. And so just kind of stuck with it and then in typical Warriors fashion they blew up everything like a year later and they sucked until 2014 and I just the rode through it I rode through the years with Nate Robinson at point guard which people probably don't remember it was it was wow. rough dark days so yeah we're here baby <laughs> well Cole, I mean you know it sounds like you're just trying to get back to your friend almost at this point so many different years later about being a Mavs fan but you know it is what it is but we are excited to have you on I mean I know Aaron and you have only met like a few times uh, in passing uh, but you know we're excited to talk to the not only about the Warriors but about the entire NBA with you uh, but you know you know you're coming off a decade where the Warriors were just so dominant you're coming off a decade where they won I mean titles and you also got uh, Kevin Durant in the biggest snake deal of all time um, so, you know, how, I mean, you, and you look at this year's team, Cole, how confident are you about this team? This is this year. I have not been as excited for a warrior season, probably since like the early runs pre KD 2013, 2014, just because the, the last couple of years, obviously the last two years have been, have been terrible rosters, just terrible teams, just, just right. tough to be around. But even those KD years were just like you could just tell the team didn't really enjoy being around each other. Um, but they were just so talented that they were going to win. It just didn't matter. And so for the first time, like this team feels like it, like the warriors again, they're, they're running around, running and gunning balls, zipping around. They all enjoy playing with each other. Um, so I like, I'm a very, very cynical warriors fan. I always have been pretty much every year I go in. I'm like, I always think we're going to underperform. I take the under, like I never <laughs> am a positive warriors fan. And this year I'm like, expectations through the moon like I don't know what it is about this team 
but I, I've, I think they have like something really special and we can get into this too. But I think that the, the way the West is structured this year, like there are a couple, you know, breaks their way away from having a legitimate shot at being a Western conference finals team. And so that's exciting too. I don't feel like there's like two or three juggernaut teams. I'm like, man, we don't have a chance of, of playing with them. There's no reason they can't make the Western conference finals. So I, I mean, I have high, high expectations. I think it's Western conference finals or bust personally. Wow. That that's a statement. I mean, I, I, I think when, you know, when you talk about the culture and the, the energy around this team and just seeing them visually of, of the way the ball is moving, I think it's so different than what it was like when KD was there. As you said, it was a lot more isolation ball. Like Steph Curry definitely took a step back. I feel like to, you know, let KD have his role, which was great. You know, not many teammates, superstars do that. Like Steph Curry's yeah. has the capability to do, but now that it's Steph's team and they brought guys back like Iguodala they have the young guns in like pool. That's sort of akin to how Clay Thompson or Steph Curry was when they were coming up. Um, it just seems like the energy that they have around is very similar to when they were starting in 2013, 2014 with that team and that core and Draymond's obviously still there. Um, so I think, you know, given the pieces, it seems very similar to when they really started rising up in the, up in the ranks of the league. And like you said, Cole, I mean, I feel like this team is a few breaks away from just a Western Conference finals appearance. I mean, you know, this team has just such a – it has its veterans that it needs to have. It has Draymond. It has Steph Curry who have been there, done that. And even Kevon Looney, who's the man who I will give continual crap to because the man doesn't belong. <laughs> but still, um, but it still has the pieces in place to stay – to have a lengthy run. It has the young guys to, who can come fill minutes, and it has the old guys who know what they're doing. That's what I, I think is so exciting, like you guys were saying, is I think they lost their identity the last couple of years, especially, um, you know, the last year with KD, and then in particular, the two years following, like, they just missed on so many um, acquisitions, because they were they're picking up, like, last year, I thought was a perfect example, like, a lot of the talk, the going into this season, people are saying, like, oh, the Warriors lost Baysmore, lost Oubre, that's really going to hurt, because they're, you know, athletic, good defensive players, but those two players are not like warriors culture type of players at all they have no ability to move the ball like i mean the late you're seeing it with the lakers right now the second baysmore touches the ball it's like all right this this possession's over like <laughs> he's gonna you know last year like when it'd be like a wednesday night against the timberwolves and danny green was like the top trending topic on twitter because lakers fans hated him like that will be kent baysmore this year i promise i watched like seven games of him last year and so yeah we probably got worse per se defensively with like bielitsa and playing Jordan Poole more, and Iguodala is old, Otto Porter Jr., um, but those guys know how to play basketball, and they move the ball around, and they're better team defenders, so sure, on paper, defensively, we might take a dip this year, but to sub in people that just know how to move and how to play like the Warriors play, I think they're going to be in a, a really, really tough out this year, and I, I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And, and one of those guys you mentioned, Cole, is Jordan Poole. And I know you were mad that we omitted his name in our preview of the Golden State Warriors uh, back in one of our earlier podcasts. So apologies to you and the rest of the Warriors fans out there listening. But, you know, I've been really impressed with Jordan Poole so far this year. He had a letdown game in game two, but really played well in game one against the Lakers, had 20 plus points. Obviously, we remember his heroics at Michigan, hitting that big shot in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, he has guts. He lives for the moment. He's a great shooter. I think now it's coming, you know, to shot selection and really getting in the motion of the offense. But he's clearly a spark plug that they need alongside Steph Curry to provide that scoring. 
and what effect do you think he's going to have this year on the Warriors that, you know, they're really looking for scores until Clay's going to come back? Yeah, I am so high on Jordan Poole. I, I was just waiting for you guys to mention it in the previous podcast. And Mitch meant, said his name once, just as he was basically listing the roster. And I texted, <laughs> I hadn't even finished the podcast. I texted Mitch, but you are an idiot. Uh, um, but no, I, I think he, he's something we've missed um, really since KD left is with Clay being out for, for the last two seasons, we have had no other shot creators, period especially with the way Draymond's offensive game has completely withered away. We just, it's, it's like last year was kind of the running joke on Warriors Twitter was the, those non-Steph minutes were like the scariest minutes in basketball. It didn't matter if you were up 20, if you're up 30, as soon as Steph went off the court and it was like Brad Wanamaker, Nico Mannion, like Kelly Oubre, Wiggins was supposed to be like the offensive, like nucleus of that bench unit. It was brutal. It was awful. And so, like you said, I, I like the word you use, the spark plug. Like, like, that's exactly what I think Jordan Poole will be. And if you have been, like, reading anything from, like, Warriors media members, things behind the scenes, like, they've seen, they've known this is coming. Because Jordan Poole, like, by all sources and accounts, is outworking everyone on the Warriors roster. Apparently, that guy's just a gym rat. And I think 90% of being successful in the NBA is confidence. And from all accounts, apparently Jordan Poole is, like, just – absolutely like psychotically confident <laughs> himself like does no and you see it when he plays like that game against the lakers he pulled up from 30 feet the game was in the balance and and knocked it down it's like that like that guy should not be taking that shot um, and so i just think that confidence is key he his first step off the dribble is something the warriors haven't had in forever we have no players still currently which i think is going to be what hurts them that put any pressure on the rim Steph's not a great, you know, great at getting to the rim. He he finishes efficiently, but he's just his first step is lacking. Wiggins is apparently afraid of the rim. That man just like loves the three jab steps, step back mid-range, the worst shot in basketball. And so Draymond is what he is. So I think that Jordan Poole is someone that's going to put pressure on all three levels um, of the defense. And I, you just need that guy when Steph goes off the court. And I think he's going to be that for us. So I, I put, I put $20 on, uh, I've never gambled on sports in my life. And I put 20 bucks down on Jordan pool to win most improved player at 40 to one odds. So wow. I plan on being a, a rich man here in a, in a few months. So that's, that's uh, great value. 40 to one. Wow. I know he's, he's currently, and I haven't checked it since the Lakers game, <laughs> but he, he went up to 10 to one last right. I had checked. So I, I got in, it was a market inefficiency. If you ask me. <laughs> well, especially for how long clay might be out too. I mean, the, the, the total like different stories about when clay might actually come back, whether it's going to be Christmas, whether it might not be till later in January. Um, I think, you know, pool just provides that just extra, extra jolt whenever they need it. Um, especially whenever, like you said, whenever Steph goes out, it's just all over. They needed that other playmaker. Um, you like to play with Andrew Wiggins on 2K and act like he can drive and you and act like he can dunk over people. There's this running meme in our, any sort of group chat I'm in with Cole where he uh, Andrew Wiggins is all juiced up and is all muscly. So I'm waiting for that day to happen and he acts like that um, still. But, you know, I think Jordan Poole is just such a great talent for you guys. And, you know, I you guys, I think, have had some great drafts even over the past few years. I know you weren't as high on this past year's draft until more so recently, um, but I I think you guys have kind of looked well, especially, and I think Jordan Poole is going to add on to that idea of, you know, you guys looking great uh, for the future. Um, so, Cole, you know, we talk about, you know, your favorite 
Warriors teams, you kind of alluded to it earlier, especially with, you know, you're not like, you weren't a huge fan of the KD teams. I mean, of course they were winning. So of course you're a fan of them, but like where, I mean, you know, where does this like kind of rank amongst your, like your favorite Warriors teams, this team itself? Yeah. I think that forever my favorite Warriors team will be that we believe team um, because you know, it's, I'm sure you're, you know, the first Nuggets team that you were a fan of Aaron or the first Celtics team. Like that's just, there's something nostalgic about it. You'll never forget those players, those feelings so that there's no one ever is going to touch that. And then seconds, obviously that 14, 15 team pre KD, Steph was, you know, came on the scene, beat LeBron, but really it's been some dark days in between both of those eras. And so I, I am really, really excited about this team. And it's, it's just going to be interesting interacting and watching with this team. Cause you just, you follow these teams in different seasons of life. You know, I was a young, like fifth grader with the we believe team. I was a more sophisticated, but didn't really know what was going on. Like freshman in college when the 14 team happened. And now I'm like an adult, I'm married, I bought a house and I'm like, you know, my wife's asleep and I'm watching these games on mute <laughs> at night. But I think that these, this team has every potential in the world to be my favorite team because it has Steph who will forever be my all-time favorite warrior. We got Wiggins or we got not Wiggins. Gosh, we got Iguodala back, Draymond back. We we're going to get clay back. It has like this nucleus that I've loved for, for a decade now. And then there's these young guys that like Jordan Poole, who's becoming one of my favorite basketball players. I love Moses Moody. I think he's going to be a really, really just high Q, like seventh or eighth guy off the bench for the rest of his career. So it has all these young guys that I we drafted that I've been following when they were in college. And so there's just this mix of youth and the guys that I've been watching for 10 years. And so I'm like, I can't, I can't wait. The second we end this, this uh, podcast, they tip off at eight and I can't wait to watch them. So, yeah, I think that they're going to be a top three team for me. Um, well, unless we, you know, Steph breaks his hand or something again, then it'll be pretty lame. Well, I can tell you my least favorite Warriors team was the 2013 Golden State Warriors. Uh, that was the <laughs> the kickoff of, 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 that, of that team with Steph Curry, Clay, and Draymond. They beat my Denver Nuggets 4-2. to two. Nuggets were the three seed. Um, besides one Andre Miller game where he scored like 28 points. And I think one other game in game five completely got obliterated in that series. And I a hundred percent saw it coming because the Warriors at that point were just shooting the lights out going into the playoffs. And I, I think that's a similar team to how they could be this year, depending on their seed, they could easily upset a team as a six, five, um, five seed coming into the playoffs. But I remember that team and uh, obviously really enjoyed watching them play um, the next couple of years to come, but it was interesting, and I'd like to learn from you, sort of as a fan of the Warriors, what was it like to sort of have your team being hated as well when, you know, when KD came in? It seemed like the Warriors were sort of a villain of the NBA. What was it like to be a fan of, like, a, a team that wasn't really liked as much as when it was earlier in the year, or, or, or earlier years, like 2013, 2014, 2015? Yeah, it was it was bizarre um, in a lot of ways. It was, it was even bizarre for me because I – the, the Warriors had, you know, had these really like drag them out, knock them out games with the Thunder. Like I kind of hated Kevin Durant. Like I, <laughs> he, like he was, he would kill the Warriors all the time. I remember me and my dad, my dad drove to Oklahoma city, um, kind of like probably 2013 season, um, to watch the Warriors play in Oklahoma city. And it was, it was Katie's career high night. He had like 53 or something like that. And I left, I was like, I just, I hate that guy. Like I hate him <laughs> so much. And then, you know, we come back from them three, one, whatever year that was. And so I was even internally like, man, I kind of hate that Katie's on this Warriors team too. Like I, I wanted to run it back. And that's like a very, 
unpopular take among like warriors twitter like they were all pro you know kd he can do what he want with his career whatever but i even personally was like man i just want steph clay draymond to run it back and like adam silver won that finals for lebron he suspended draymond that was it so like i wanted to i wanted to see a real rematch you know so yeah so it was it was it was tough and i think what it did though was i i ended up really loving it because man steph as a villain is so fun like he's he's got that baby face to him. He's so fun the way he plays basketball. But just like just when he hit when he hits like there's dunking on someone is one thing, but something about like a clutch deep like step back three over your favorite player when he runs down the court and does his like super corny celebrations. Like just knowing that that is absolutely like digging into the soul of the other team. I fell in love with it. So I I kind of love the villain warriors. It, it took me a little while, um, but I can't I can't imagine. I think there's still enough resentment for Steph and especially Draymond, but it, it seems like at least from a media perspective, the, the view of the Warriors this year is a lot more of that like fun, happy, go lucky Warriors again. So I guess I'm going to have to get, you know, accustomed to that. Uh, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's weird how those narratives can shift. I was going to say, I don't know if the Draymond on I mean, the, the narrative on Draymond's ever going to shift. I feel like he's just still going to be the guy who kicks Steven Adams in the balls twice um, in a series. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I think Steph's definitely come back from like the being hated uh, side of everything, especially from a guy who I was not a big fan of the Cavs or the Warriors during that run because the Celtics were always like the one or uh, fighting for an Eastern Conference finals. And so I always hated it because I was having to deal with one. I was going to have to deal with one of you two. And I didn't want to. <laughs> so it was going to be brutal either way. Uh, yep. Plus, I just didn't like how dominated the NBA was. But then I as a historian, I realized, man, that's just how the NBA is. It's dominated by teams throughout decades. Um, but yeah, no, I, I loved that. I'm with Aaron. I love those early Warriors teams when Steph Curry was just, I mean, I loved him because my first ever, my player ever did was I was drafted by the Warriors and it was Clay's rookie year. And so I was the big man for your war, the Warriors. So I had an, I had a, uh, a impartiality towards the Warriors whenever I was a first uh, 2k guy. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm so excited about this Warriors team this year. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. They're definitely going to be a, a league pass team for me and Aaron that we, we're going to be spying in on, especially tonight when they are playing me and Aaron's one of our favorite teams right now, the Kings. And so we were, Aaron and I, we're joining with you right after we get out of this, we're going to be definitely hopping on to watch, uh, that game, uh, tonight. Um, but you know, you know, I'm sorry, but we're going to shift it a little farther, a different away from the Warriors. Cole, you're a big fan of the hey, NBA. That's all right. You're a big fan of the NBA in general. So, I mean, what team are you, like, very excited to, like, watch this year that is not the Warriors? Honestly, and this, this relates back to the Warriors, it's the Hornets and it's mm -hmm. LaMelo Ball. I can't take my eyes off the guy. And I cannot believe the Warriors drafted James Wiseman over him. It hurts my soul. And I think I... I almost hate watch him. I just, I watch LaMelo ball out just to like make myself miserable, which is probably something I need to go to counseling for or something. But it's there. Like I watched their game against the Nets a little bit earlier. It's just so fun. They just have such a, an, a, a really exciting personnel that seem to really enjoy playing together. They all move off of each other really well. They've got high flyers that, that LaMelo can absolutely optimize. And so that's like my, my team right now, if I'm not watching the Warriors, I'm, I'm watching the Hornets. And so I think, I think LaMelo has that. And I thought in the draft, the same thing, he just has that it factor. The shot's not pretty. 
there's a lot of the things about his game that you would think on paper aren't going to work out. Like I think I could give him buckets. I don't think he can guard anyone, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. Like when you have that it factor and certain, just a certain few players have it, you can just tell, like anyone can tell just watching the game. I just think he's going to be a superstar. And I think these first couple of games have, have shown that. I, I think I think Lamelo. So Lamelo Ball fits into this category of uh, guys. If you're a bad defender, you fit in this category. Can you stay in front of Quinn Cook? Uh, that is that is my defense. That is my definition. If you're a bad defender, if and I don't think Lamelo Ball could stay in front of Quinn Cook. I think that would just be all downhill from there. And so I am I am I agree with you that his defense needs to get a little better. But I, I, I agree this, this Hornets team is so much fun to watch with how, I mean, his connection with Miles Bridges is so much fun. And I think this team is just, it is electric to watch. Yeah. And if I could add another team, if I'm allowed to have two answers, the other team I'm loving watching is the Lakers. And it's not for the reason you think, but <laughs> just out of complete spite. I love, I just love how poorly put together that roster is. And, and GM LeBron, I think cracks me up. Like, they should have just ran it back. If they were healthy last year, they are probably going to win the title. So I just can't believe they gave up so much for Russell Westbrook. So I love watching that team right now. I think it is going to be an interesting case study, having these old veterans that are used to having really big roles. Like someone's going to be upset that they're not playing as much as they think they should. Man, Frank Vogel, whatever he's getting paid, they need to triple it because that is going to be one of the hardest coaching jobs. And so I'm fascinated because they got LeBron and AD. They're going to find a way to be a contender. But right now, it's like, holy smokes, this team doesn't look anywhere close to contending. Well, I think against the against your Warriors, they lost despite AD and LeBron both getting 30-plus. And I think that was the first time that's ever happened since they both became Lakers. So, you know, the fact that that happened clearly says something about the team around them. Um, you know, this has happened with LeBron's teams in the past. Obviously, with Miami, it took a lot of getting used to. Um but I think there's an aspect of this team that we're just like, you know, obviously it's NFL Sunday today. We're recording this on Sunday, October 24th. There's an aspect of them. That's like the Kansas city chiefs where we're just expecting them to like perform great based on past performance of LeBron and AD. And they won the title two years ago. And I think it's a completely different team. It's a completely different year. You have to take it for what it is. And if they continue not succeeding, you have to take it at face value. But I think there are a lot of, a lot of folks out there. They're going to expect them to turn it around and contend for a title this year, which obviously still could happen. But I think there's a lot of historical bias when it comes to this as well. Yeah, I agree with you. And, but, and I also, this is why I took the under on them. Like last podcast, I, I was not high on this team because this team just looks so congested on offense. It is so many people just trying to get to the rim or as Russell Westbrook's taking a stupid shot. Um, It's as I will stick with the congested synonyms nasally. It just looks really bad. It is, it is just not fun. And it's going to have those, it's going to have that moment where LeBron's like, okay, so we're going to trade Wayne Ellington now. Cool. That's just what we're going to end up doing. So it's going to be trading Wade Ellington and like DeAndre Jordan for like some weird piece that we're never going to expect like come January. And that might be the thing that changes them. But I, I am really I Cole, I thought you were going to say that I knew you were going to say something bad about LeBron because you were very much of a LeBron hater in every sort of the word. So I think, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I like to hate watch the Lakers, especially on Friday when they lost the Suns. It was beautiful. I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it. Well, Cole, you know, one thing we're going to start asking all of our guests whenever they come on is, you know, you know, we think we're very much early into the season, but we like to think about the end of it already. And so, you know, 
It's a very basic NBA fan question, but what is your title, NBA title prediction as of right now? Yeah, that's a good, uh, it's something I've been thinking about, especially after watching, because the preseason, you can't learn much. And so I I always like to watch the first couple of games, see what happens when the effort level is high. And so my pick right now, and I'm sure, call me a homer if you'd like, I've got the Warriors versus the Bucks as my team. I think Giannis came back. Like I said, I think the Warriors are a Western Conference Finals contender, and I think they can win the West. I don't think they, as currently constructed, have a chance of beating the Bucs or the Nets. I don't think they have a chance to actually win the Finals because I just look at those two other teams, and if they get to the end of the road healthy, I mean, those teams are a problem, man. They've got so many, like Harden, KD, and then Giannis for the Bucs. We don't have any personnel that can stop those guys, period. End of discussion. And so, yeah, that, that's that's my take. I think it's going to be Bucks on the other side. I think Giannis added a lot to his game, and I love the way they've constructed that roster. I think Grayson Allen was a sneaky good pickup. Um, I really like that Bucks team a lot. Giannis is like my my favorite non-Steph basketball player, um, and so I'm I'm all aboard that Bucks that Bucks bandwagon on the East side. I think it's so funny that you like Giannis because he is the completely opposite player of Steph Curry. It is the exact opposite energy. It is literally, uh, it's not shooting. It's like, I'm going to dunk it on your face and I'm going to, and it's not like the happy go lucky Steph Curry. It's like, I'm going to mean mug you while I stare you down while I dunk it on your, on your face. No, I, I agree. It's a different <laughs> style of basketball, but I think their like personality and energy is pretty similar. They both kind of have that like, innocent kid-like joy when they play out there and they're both I both I think they're both like pretty funny off the court I think they say both say funny things and use their social media in funny ways and so I just like and they just seem like dudes that genuinely enjoy the game of basketball and in an era where a lot of these guys seem like they're in it for a lot of other motives like the Ben Simmons um, story is you know that kind of sums it all up right there like Giannis and Steph just seem like dudes that are just basketball sickos. It's what they love to do. And so I just, that's contagious to me. I love watching that. And so, yeah, that, I, I would love to see Steph and Giannis go after, go after each other in a, in a final series. I think that'd be some good, some good cinema. Yeah. Aaron, you know, we haven't really even like talked about ours at all since we've like started the podcast. I mean, what is your finals prediction? You know, I've been thinking about this as well. Um, you know, I think we, our previous guest was Rob Volk. We're both um, big Suns backers. I know I'm a Nuggets fan, but really enjoyed watching the Suns last year. I know, Cole, you said you placed your first wager recently. Um, I won quite a bit of money on the Suns last year. So that's definitely part of, part of the reason why I like the Suns. Um, but I, 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 think they, I think they could win the West. Um, you know, they didn't lose anybody in their core. I th- still think Chris Paul looks good in his first couple games, which is the big question mark for me as he grows older. Um, and I expect Devin Booker to continue to take a step. Um, I think they're going to be really motivated after last year's finals appearance. And I, I do really like the Bucks. Honestly, I'm calling for a rematch here. Um, I think the way the Bucks played the Nets, I don't think there's a stop, uh, an answer for Giannis down low. Nick Claxton is not the answer. Blake Griffin is not the answer. So, you know, it's going to be a shootout every game if they meet in the playoffs, but I'll take the Bucks for the depth and the defensive prowess they have with Holiday and Giannis. Yeah, I'm with you. I think my my prediction is is going to I we all agree in the Eastern Conference. I'm a big Bucks backer on this side of the, on this side and you know, friend of the show Logan Ball is going to love that we're all on the on the Bucks side of it all. Uh but you know, and I agree with Aaron. The Suns are just just look so good. I think it is a Suns Warriors 
uh, Western Conference Finals. Uh, I think this team, the Warriors team, could sneakily beat, especially I think this Warriors team specifically could beat like a team like the Jazz. Like, and another friend of the show, Carter Barajas, is not going to enjoy that. But I think, you know, the four or five seed matchup of the Jazz Warriors is just spitting for everyone. I feel like that's just what's about to happen coming this year. So I, I'm predicting that. And I think it's the Warriors uh, Suns Western Conference, but I think it's the Suns Bucks Finals as well. Yeah, and I, I'm not just saying this because I'm on y'all's show, but the Nuggets look really, really good as well. And the Jamal Murray thing is a total wild card. But, man, like, Jokic is – I've been reluctant to accept Jokic as, like, the superstar and dominant force that he is. And it, it's probably just because we just really haven't seen a player that plays basketball like him. And it's yeah. probably how, why, you know, a lot of people were reluctant to accept Steph at first. I remember Charles Barkley was always saying like, you know, you can't win shooting jump shots. You got to get in the paint. And there's just something about this big, like dopey seven foot guy, like kind of waddling around and like this, <laughs> this can't win a finals. But the more I watch it when the personnel they're putting around him, if I think if MPJ takes a step up and if Jamal Murray comes back and is 75% of what he was, there's no reason they can't make a run in the West either. So the West for me personally, I kind of view it as a three, three and a half. Cause I don't, I just don't know about the Lakers. I really don't. Uh, but I think the Nuggets, Suns and Warriors given health, when it gets to that point in the season, there's no reason that either of those three couldn't make a run through the whole West side. I think we're officially best friends, Cole. That was the nicest <laughs> thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> hey, I, I got you, man. <laughs> Hey, well, especially even literally right before you came on, Cole, me and Aaron were literally just talking about like how the media has totally depicted Jokic as this like not like he isn't that successful. I mean, he's not going to be he got he lucked into an MVP last year is kind of what we ended up on. And so, you know, hearing someone else outside of our social circle say that is kind of is kind of enlightening to us. And so it's it kind of brings the idea of like, okay, maybe the narrative is kind of shifted uh, about this about him. Well, Cole, we thank you so much for coming on tonight. We appreciate you uh, joining us for this episode. Uh, Cole, where, where can we find you on the social media and so that where people can follow you on the great Twitter sphere? Man, that's a million dollar question. You could follow me at, I think I'm Cole underscore Steckline, <laughs> but don't even bother. I have a Twitter account. It's called the fake Beadrins, Andres Beadrins, the fake b-i-e-d-r-i-n-s the fake beadrins i've had that account since i became a warriors fan he was one of those we believe players it still has 1200 followers for whatever reason kent Bazemore follows me so if he listens to this podcast he might unfollow me because he's trash but yeah follow me there I, I tweet more funny stuff on there i just tweet about the warriors exclusively um you're not gonna i'm not gonna post anything on cole underscore stack so don't even bother so the fake beadrins find me there well, Cole, we appreciate you coming on. We will be right back with another segment of Cereal and Brews. Thanks, Cole. Welcome back to the Hooper's Almanac here on our Cereal and Brews segment. My favorite part of the show, get to talk with my friend Mitchell Sell. Mitch, we're planning on seeing each other here in just one week. It's October 24th. We're going to see each other for Halloween. Uh, We'll be under the guise of different personas, but (laughs) we will be there together. I'm excited to see you, man, in a few days. Dude, it's 
I, this has probably been the second shortest time we've spent apart, apart from each other outside of like the one week period a year ago between my one day job. Um, but besides that, uh, this has probably been the shortest time since we graduated. So, you know, it's been about a month, since, a little over a month since I've seen you. So I'm excited. Uh, it'll be great. Uh, I mean, I'm going dressed. I mean, I'm going to be the basic white guy this year and go as Ted Lasso. I feel like that's gonna be a very, uh, very probable uh, pick. Uh, I feel like there were going to be over under three guys dressed as Ted Lasso uh, at our Halloween party this weekend. Oh, wow. I mean, I mean, not, not a bad line. I would lean under just because I've never seen the show. So like from my standpoint, it's still not uh, yeah, as Aaron. prominent, even though I know it's very highly acclaimed and whatever, but I, right. I need to see it because I, a bunch of our friends, including you have been telling me to watch it. It's such a good show. You would love it a lot, uh, especially with how basic knowledge you have of soccer. Like me and you have a very a similar knowledge of soccer. I think mm-hmm. you would still like it, especially because you learn so much more. I mean, people like my mom love this because it, it deals with stuff outside of even soccer. And But the, how it's filmed and how it's done and just how it talks about so many great things, it's such a great show. So you need to watch it. But Aaron, tell the people what you're going as. I'm going as Georgie from it. So very exciting for you horror freaks out there. Um, My girlfriend, Madison is going as Pennywise the clown. So it's going to be a real frightening, frightening duo that evening. She's a huge Stephen King fan. So, um, you know, we had to sort of go with that. We were actually just at this costume shop in Chicago, Chicago costume shout out. um, If you're, you know, if anybody knows that shop, it's an incredible store and you need a Halloween costume, go there. They have so much, Mitch. I know we're huge Star Wars fans. They had so many Star Wars costumes. Really? They had like the whole Mandalorian deal, like actual helmets. They had like a Tusken Raider mask, like very niche things. It was great. Um, oh my gosh. And like you could rent down like a whole Obi-Wan robe that was like, or they also had like a robe tailored to um, Luke Skywalker's outfit on Hoth when he's riding the Tauntaun, like the exact, the exact thing. It was like so specific, like down to specific scenes. It was Gosh. awesome shop. There was like two floors. There's an outside area. So I ended up not even getting anything there because basically all I need is a yellow rain jacket, which was awful because I was like, I'm going to be so many other things now. But, you know, it is what it is. Can we, can you change your costume plan? And can you go as Hans, uh, Luke Skywalker and I'll go as your Tauntaun? Uh, I don't think I can because I think Madison would get mad at me. Probably. I'm... I'm now interested to see what this, what this, her, the makeup and outfit all look oh, like for oh, Madison. She's going to be great. I'm going to look very normal. I'm going to look like, <laughs> like the depressed guy that just strolled into a Halloween party in a raincoat and it's been pouring all day. And I had this weird paper boat that I've been playing with at like lunch and everything. Oh my gosh. Are you going to, are you going to, are she going to bring the red balloon or are you? She is. Okay. Makes sense. But no, I, that'll be hilarious. I can't wait to see it. That's yeah, though. No, it'll be fun. I mean, our, our friend Allie, who's hosting the party is the biggest Halloween person outside of maybe Aaron Sastry, another one of our friends. Yeah. Those two are like incredibly huge Halloween people. So you got to show out, you got to support. Oh, absolutely. So that's why I'm going to go with the, as basic of a thing as I can, because yeah, literally no, I have, classic. I have I, Aaron, literally junior year, we dressed as Nick Miller and Schmidt from new girl. I mean, <laughs> it was a great costume. It was, it, it wasn't it, well, you drove, you wore a kimono. I wore a flannel. Yep. <laughs> yep. My friend went at my other friend from high school, Morgan, uh, went as, uh, Winston, Winston. which was great. So we, we, we had the whole deal. They had the we, whole had the, we had the whole setup. Aaron, tell people about this crazy overtime game in your intramural league. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I know we've been keeping up with, uh, the the church basketball league that I'm involved in 
<laughs> we are now two and two to my knowledge. I missed a game, so we dropped to one and two. And we just won last Monday uh, in double overtime. It was the most ridiculous rule. Overtime was like one minute. Oh my gosh. And then like, so clearly like it was a sh- complete shit show because nobody could score or right. we each had one basket. And then it was like, <laughs> we don't have enough time to actually get a lead and hold it. Cause then if you scored and the other team was just going to hold it for one shot. So it was, it was a mess, but we ended up winning a double overtime. I think I sent you a picture. My arm got completely like clawed uh-huh. by somebody. I don't even, it's sort of gone now, but um, it was it crazy. Looked, it looked like Wolverine attacked you. You know, and it was weird. Cause like, it wasn't bleeding. It was like under my skin. So it was mm-hmm. like a, it was like a bruise under my skin somehow with somebody's nails. So they might need to start put that as the rule. Like everybody needs to check their nail length before checking into the basketball game. Cause that was a, that was an occupational hazard out there. <laughs> um, it was a great game. Double overtime, low scoring bloodbath, uh, 39, 37. Oh um, so it was, it was a great time. I think I had eight points, two big threes, uh, layup, layup at the end. Um, so good game. Uh, this coming week, I believe we play a, a subpar team, um, knock on wood. So hopefully going to put up a few more points this week and excited about excited, excited about the momentum. The team really rallied together after that double overtime win. Well, as long as, you, uh, Hey, you know, as, as a team captain, you have to like take over here as the guy who you said it in week after week one, man, you were, you've got to be the guy who's like, I'm going to take over and be the point guard or take the, take over and be the score whenever I need to. But you know, right. That's hey the two big threes. I know I can already see it in my head. I can see the corner three already happening. So that's awesome, man. I am happy for you. And now I'm. I really wish that I could be in a, a rec basketball league, and I I just can't anymore. It's just I'm not. I'm not uh, physically able to do that anymore. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, it was tough, especially now that we have to wear masks. At a few games in, we weren't required to wear masks, but I guess uh, you know somebody stopped by and saw. So um, we ended up, you know, having to wear masks on the court, which not ideal. Obviously, we all want no. to be safe with the pandemic. But when you're running around for 30 minutes, it's kind of tough. Um, so definitely, you know, going to take some getting used to and, and bump up the cardio training. So I was going to say, you might need to do some line shifts like they do in hockey. Just do like, hey, right. you got two minutes on, two minutes off. <laughs> well, especially in the overtime, like I was playing straight through the last eight minutes of the fourth or the second half through first overtime through second overtime and obviously it was only one minute in the overtimes but it was still obviously high intensity yeah hey the adrenaline's already going man so right i i I can imagine it it was uh, crazy and you were exhausted yeah it was a good time though eventually we'll have to get you down for one of the games and um you know hopefully you can coach us on the sideline that'd be awesome of coach mitchell so bring it on i'll wear the suit (laughs) i'll wear the suit and some athletic shorts (laughs) (laughs) i love it yeah. But Aaron, another thing we're doing this week, besides seeing each other, another thing we're doing this week is Tuesday night, we are having a Kasich Boys trivia night. I'm really excited. Yeah. So our friend group, um, courtesy of Mitchell Sell's idea as a former uh, triple play host, which is a game show back at our student TV station days at Mizzou, um, decided to carry it over as a way to stay in touch with our core friend group and roommates during college. So it's been a quite a few months um, since we've done a, done one. So I'm really excited to catch up and kick everyone's ass. So, <laughs> well, I, I feel like me and you are going to probably be pitted against each other. I feel like it's probably going to be me and Colin and you and Logan because I think Nate's hosting us. Um, mm. All our friends of the show, all of them will probably be on the show at some point in different segments. But another thing we might do is just there is also the plan for all five of us to get together for New Year's, so we might just have a big a big show together with the five of us. So that'd be in that'd person. be really yeah, yeah that'd be fun yeah. 
but that would, but yeah so we're i'm excited for that i mean we haven't i mean i've talked to some of them separately i've seen nate's and when i've come up to chicago mm-hmm. um so it'll be good just to have everyone in the same quote-unquote uh area on zoom but you know it'll be it'll be great to see everyone yeah i completely agree well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining this episode of the Hooper's Almanac. We thank you for tuning in. And we thank again, Cole Steckline for jumping in and being a part of this episode. It was a blast to talk to him about the Warriors. If you haven't, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to us on, uh, on Spotify. You can also hit that notifications bell up in the top right corner. And that will tell you whenever some of our episodes come out, if you don't listen, but we pray that you do listen to us. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Hooper's Almanac, where we'll be sharing clips uh, and different things from our previous podcasts, uh, especially up to mind thoughts about the current NBA and also just some up-to-date bets. Uh, you know, Aaron and I have talked about some different bets throughout the week, uh, different over-unders for games, different bets for winners. Uh, so we might be putting those on our Twitter account here soon. Uh, another thing is, we, you know, no matter where you are, we've had a wide range of listeners from different states. It's been kind of crazy. Uh, I think we're, we've hit 15 different states have listened to our podcast, Aaron. And so, you know, we'd love to hear from you. If you guys have any thoughts uh, about the podcast and things we should do, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us um, at hoopers.almanac at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to hear if you guys uh enjoyed it and also we'd just love to hear where you're from and who you are uh, but thanks again you guys for tuning in and you know stick around and we'd love to hear you and we can't wait to hear from you next week